0: Fueled this week by only the one kind of alcohol, fortunately. Welcome to Hand of Pot. Hello everybody, I'm going to start off with an apology for last week. Um, I had had three pints of cider and uh, drunk slightly too much wine whilst recording (laughs) last week's podcast and if you thought that what I was talking about on the podcast was rubbish, you should have heard some of the crap I had to cut. There was about 50 minutes of it and (laughs) most of it was was me, I'm ashamed to say. There were times when I'm really, really glad to be the person editing this, (laughs) myself... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do apologise if your listening experience was diminished at all um, by my crapness (laughs) last week also our our thoughts, it's a bit of a bandwagon jumping exercise but our thoughts go out to our listeners in Japan and obviously all of the Japanese people who aren't listeners to us. We've got one or two listeners in Japan on a regular basis, so I'm hoping that when I look at the stats in, in a two or three weeks' time, because I'm sure they'll have more important things to be worrying about this week, that they're still there. <laughs> Essentially, we don't know who you are, but if you are listening, then our thoughts are with you. OK, well, now that the the sad stuff is out of the way, guys, shall we get on with the, the salient points? And In fact, the Japanese earthquake, I think, has given us one of the things to talk about that will bring in first because i know that dan you've had a couple of questions on twitter uh, regarding one of the less serious after effects of it haven't you
1: yeah um as my job as a south american correspondent obviously i've been doing quite a lot in uh, copa america and for those who don't know i think most people will by now japan are going to be the 12th nation aside from the 10 comedy nations and Me- mexico and yeah all through i've had quite a lot of questions saying why japan there and now it's kind of come up again after a, after a quiet period because obviously after the tragic circumstances last week, the football got very much affected and there were kind of rumours that Japan would have to pull out. And it looks like now kind of, you know, in my, in my opinion, it's a good thing. They're gonna, they're gonna make it. And one of the things that's come up a long time, many times, is why are Japan invited? And I think probably the primary... Sorry, zombie has been his usual um, annoying stuff. I think the main point from South America's point of view, from Comedy World's point of view, is economic. Japan is, uh, you know, a massive market, as is Mexico, while they, which is why they get invited a lot as well. And you know, there's sponsors, TV companies in Japan who can give, you know, lots of money into South America, and you know, we all know like Japanese fans are passionate when they're when they're following their team. So it's kind of like a it's a good arrangement for all, for all parties in my view and no I mean I've always been in favour of Japan participating right from the start hopefully they'll make it I think as I say what from what I've heard recently they're going to be there and it's good they just bring a different footballing perspective to the, to the proceedings I think as someone mentioned on Twitter to me earlier countries like Brazil and Peru have got a long kind of association with Japan and Japanese immigrants. So I don't think it's out of the blue, I'm I'm happy to live
0: And And in fact, Argentina as well, there's the Japanese garden course, in Palermo. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the history of friendship between the countries. One, one other question that I noticed uh, that you were also asked, Dan, was about whether if Japan weren't able to make it, whether CONMEBOL might be uh, flexible on the idea maybe of Australia playing in the Copa America, maybe not necessarily this year, but some point in the future. I, I think that would be...
1: It's an interesting I, I, idea, I, yeah. I I'd, see it. I don't see anything to stop it if Japan... Uh, if yeah. Japan are invited i mean the, the issue no, uh, sorry that sorry guys hello i'm Seba
2: from mundo Celeste just to touch on that uh, subject uh, i think from the next copa america and, and onwards is going to be including concacaf
1: yeah i was just about to say yeah. that actually they're exactly. thinking of turning to a 16 team format so oh, this, 10 World teams oh, and know, then six from concacaf this could be yes. the, the last yeah.
2: copa america edition with Im- with invitations To to countries from other confederations. uh, But
1: we'll have to see. I mean if one thing about any South American bureaucracy is things move very, very slowly. So we say it could happen in four years, it might be forty years. So there's now a question from somebody who hadn't heard about this opening up and
0: expansion into CONCACAF, namely me. How exactly would that work? It being a Conmebol competition, presumably the ten Conmebol nations uh, yeah. straight in, and then what, will CONCACAF be playing qualifiers or will they be inviting the top four yeah, ranked the, teams? The, or?
2: the thing that prevented this, uh, this to happen in past editions was the fact that CONCACAF, they have their own competition and they don't want to they don't want to uh, stop them no. from being uh, no, no, right. played. That's what I recently say, yeah. So recently way yeah. The way that it's going to happen, it's not. Ha- it hasn't been revealed so, uh, so far. It hasn't been uh, that information hasn't been uh, given out, and maybe it's because they don't have a clear idea. But the thing is, it was announced that the uh, next Copa America is going to be in Brazil in 2015, and it's going to include uh, more teams. Uh, I think it's uh, up to 16 teams. Yes which teams are going to come from concacaf i don't know nobody knows yeah. so far
0: but i well we'd have to see in the states and mexico and then it's going to be Honduras, I think it's from there it, isn't it yeah maybe it's honduras costa there, rica yeah. there
2: there are uh, different ways they could uh, decide on this. M- that maybe they can play a small qualifying tournament. Maybe they can base t- their decision on the famous FIFA rankings yeah. and u- <laughs> give, give, give the use them something. Give them a use. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I really look forward for that. Cause that would be the real Copa America, the Copa of the entire Americas. And yeah. um, it's not. I think part of the of the reason why Copa America is not as massive as the Euro, for example. Uh, or the Asian Cup, is the lack of teams competing, or not? Yeah. Not the lack, but the, the,
1: the yeah. Because you can kind of assume every year that Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay, yeah, yeah. and Chile are going to get to the quarterfinals fairly. There's only ten teams. Fairly teams. happily, yeah. yeah. It's only ten
2: teams, so it's there's no need to qualify for that. No. You're automatically uh, automatically there. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're playing. Probably like Peru or Bolivia at the yeah. moment.
1: Because only two teams can get eliminated at first stage. Exactly. So I think that takes a, a lot of the, uh,
2: the attractive uh, from Copa America. And including more teams from other regions is going to make it much more interesting, yeah. in my yeah. opinion.
0: And, and regarding what Seba mentioned about the, the name just uh, a minute or so ago, we should maybe clarify for our Anglophone. Listeners that America in Spanish uh, refers to what we in English call the Americas, uh, and so the name of the Copa América being just the South American Championship has always been a little bit kind of an anomaly in a way. Yeah, yeah. The same as the Copa Libertadores de America, when in fact it's it's just Latin America, of course. It's
2: kind of uh, what Americans do when when with their professional sports, whenever they win the the World Series, it's called the World Series, yeah, but they only it. play, you know, it's a couple of franchises in Canada, but in football everything that happens in South America was so much uh, better than yeah. Central and North America mm. in the past now it's c- uh, the CONCACAF region is catching up yeah. Yeah.
0: particularly Mexico yeah. and the States
2: exactly but, yeah. but still it's considered to like Copa Libertadores de America, Copa America but yeah. I, I for one would, would love to have uh, teams from, from CONCACAF joining in yeah. Yeah. much more like m- much more than teams being invited from other confederations which I'm not entirely against but I think it doesn't look quite Copa America yeah exactly (laughs) there's a whole
0: other bit of America that they're not really tapping by inviting in you know Japan or
1: Australia if it were to happen or by virtue of the fact they've got more marketing potential more yeah, yeah of
2: course and here's the thing about this cup of america before we change the subject completely because i was thinking of this i'm i'm really interested in in confederations cup i think it's a great competition and i think it's gonna be even better in the future and i think people a lot of people don't realize this and uh, <laughs> I, th- I think you may be unique in
1: thinking this. <laughs>
2: maybe maybe, so, maybe yeah. i am but i think uh, it's a good competition to get acclimatized to the country in which you're going to be playing the World Cup the following year that much is true
0: yeah no, 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 no,
2: no, no, no. It's, it's also uh, official FIFA competition you get you get the feel of, of playing the Champions of Africa the Champions of Asia mm. so I think one of the underrated things about the Copa America is that the winner gets uh, a spot in the Copa America but this time this time for Argentina it's really interesting because Brazil are already qualified for the next confederations cup because they are the host and the guest of the Copa America, Japan, are also qualified for that because mm-hmm. they are the champions of Asia. Yeah. So Argentina could lose in the semi-finals, win third place, and if the final is between Brazil and Japan, they will qualify for the uh, Confederations Cup even after finishing third in the continental competition. So yeah. I think it's a interesting thing to, to just to have in yeah. mind because it's a chance that Argentina could probably get a, a prize. Uh, even, with <laughs> even, even, failing, failing, yeah. Yeah, even failing, yeah, even failing. Yeah,
1: I think while we're on the subject of the Copa America, we can probably change it a little bit because uh, for me, Argentina's preparations for the Copa are beginning next week with two friendlies against USA and Costa Rica,
0: and we're we're not counting the friendly, of course, that's being played in. Uh, in no, but it'll, be interesting. Time. it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. The
1: same, yeah. And uh, Venezuela. Yeah, and I think as we kind of predicted, us. Um, Mystic people at Handapod, Tevez and Agüero have been left out again. So, do you think that's going to be how Batista's is going to go for the copper? Is it? Is he actually being sincere when he says he's trying out new people?
2: Uh, this is a uh, this is so hard to know. but I, th- I think uh, Batista is sending out clear sight signals that he's not going to he's not going to be counting Tevez or Agüero uh, when it comes to the Copa America squad
0: what would you say is the deal with Agüero we've, we've gone through in past episodes uh, the reasons that Tevez is being left out it, yeah. Is do you think Agüero is similar I mean obviously in terms of players who are likely to have been agitated to keep Maradona as a manager Diego Maradona's uh, son-in-law is <laughs> got to be one of the main suspects <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, I'm puzzled by this because Agüero is very um, he's very open He's he's got he's one of the few national team players with a Twitter account and he speaks a lot on on, yeah. on, on on Twitter, but he never said anything about his exclusion uh, in the past friendly against Portugal and in the upcoming friendlies against the USA and Costa Rica. And I don't know, I, I'm, I think that silence by Agüero says a lot.
0: Um, zombie is crazy, he's eating news. He's eating a piece of newspaper. And he's chosen to do this and start knocking over the bottles <laughs> right underneath where I'm holding the microphone as There well. he
2: goes, Te- tearing up the newspaper. <laughs> Anyway, I think the fact that Aguero has not been public about this, has not said anything about this, not even a, uh, "I'm going to try harder and see if I can make it in the future" or anything. Uh, I think that that is a message in itself. Yeah, uh, speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And, and Batista is now kind of changing his his uh, his speech. Because he's now saying he wants f- to go for the technical players, he's trying to make emphasis on, on the, the ability and the technical side of
0: Yeah, Car- Carlos Tevez and Sergio Aguero are being noted, of course, for their poor technique yeah. in the World of Argentine. <laughs> <title>. it, <laughs> you know, it sounds know. completely transparent to and me, he, I don't know what we're suspicious about.
2: Yeah, and then the fact that uh, he sees Tevez and Aguero playing in the same position as Messi, and, and then he plans to use Messi as... As, as his number nine and then play with a couple of uh, wingers mm. so to speak and he's not thinking of a word on to be able to no, play it seems like well. he doesn't
1: have that, them two players in mind when he's you know, uh, outlining his scheme yeah. mm. but I, know, I
2: think it's something really really dodgy behind the scenes uh, that we don't know mm. only them only, only they know yeah. uh, I think it's unfortunate but at the same time the manager is entitled to to, to pick the players he wants, and maybe he maybe he sees a couple of issues on, in the dressing room with these, these two players, and that's why he's yeah. going without them.
0: Yeah, in in a seamless uh, segue now, we've been discussing the Argentine national side and, and the Copa America to come, and one of Argentina's uh, one of Argentina's group opponents is going to be Colombia. And whilst Sever was talking, I've just glanced down at English Dan's wrist and noticed that he's wearing a, a <laughs> kind of friendship bracelet-style thing, which I assume he bought on his holiday in Colombia from the colours that it is.
1: It was gifted to me, actually, but it was from Colombia. There
0: you go. So I've, I've a very, very kind Colombian family, yes. I, I have the mind of a budding Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Here. I
2: thought it was because Dan is a, is a keen listener of Shakira's music. I think that's, that, that was why. It's part of it yeah. For
0: sure It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me um, But another uh, Colombian connection In Argentina Is of course uh, Racing Club And so If you notice I've now seamlessly Moved on to that the was topic seamless. Of the domestic Absolutely league. I didn't even notice. Um, we're very aware That we normally Obviously not through Coincidence But because Half the team Are Racing fans We normally talk An awful lot about the, Whichever match Racing happens to have Played at the weekend We were talking Just before recording About their position As a club Compared with what they were sort of two or three years ago recently and so I thought that I might get Dan and Seba to to discuss that more than the actual match that's taken place although the match was impressive enough a a 4-0 away win over Colon to go on your own at the top of the table and we've also been discussing about how this this coming weekend is a club day when the fans are given the immense privilege of paying an extra 40 pesos for their tickets to, to fund the club. Seba, would you like to start? Because you were making the point that at least under the current um, under the current board of directors, uh, at least you know where that extra forty pesos is going, and you can actually see it improving the club. As, as an Argentine, an Argentine racing fan who had to put up with an awful lot under the previous uh, administration, could you fill our listeners in on on who Blanqui Celeste they were and why they were in charge of racing for such a long time, and where the club's going now that they're finally out after? Uh, when were they voted out about two years ago now wasn't it, or a year and a half or so ago?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've been going to Racing since 1981, 82, I was four or five, and only a couple of years later I had to endure relegation, being one of the big clubs in in Argentina. It would be like, uh, I don't know, uh, Everton or or Chelsea or maybe even bigger teams getting relegated, just to compare, and uh, and, it, and Racing were, were always famous for having terrible presidents and, and boards of directors and they did nothing to help the club and um, it was all sort of uh, dodgy deals with the transfers and crazy players coming for crazy money and uh, mm. and, the, and the club the club was a mess. We spent two years in in the second division.
0: This is still back in the 80s. Yeah, it was uh,
2: 84, and and then we won promotion back in 85. We would we, we always seem to have good teams after that, and we always seem to do good. Then something happened, and in the end we collapsed, and and the and the debts were mounting and mounting. And then in 99 we got uh, bankrupt, and there was a lady on television, and she said the racing club is does not exist anymore and that was one of the (laughs) worst days of my life and then Racine spent a couple of months uh, on court and trials and all sorts of uh, protests and and fans getting together and fans uh, avoiding the the, how do you call it when you uh, remate uh, uh, the kind of liquidation Yeah, the liquidation of one of the the, the Buenos Aires the, the capital uh, headquarters of Racing, very famous for. They have a lot of activities: basketball, football, yeah. and a lot uh, of kind of community activities. Community there, activities, yeah. like kids' camps and education. Yeah. And the fans organized uh, a movement, and they embrace the building, and they avoid yeah. the, the, the judges from performing the liquidation, if, <laughs> if I'm allowed to say that way. And then this company came. The government did a lot to help Racing. In any other, in any serious country, uh, Racing
0: would, would have not existed anymore but well, I'm not I'm not so sure about that I'd well maybe Italy <laughs> well no but even I mean in the Premier League at the moment in England you've got a lot of controversy over the owners particularly of certain clubs but generally speaking foreign owners coming in I'd be very impressed and, and very surprised however bad the financial situation got if the British government were to allow a club the size of say Liverpool or Manchester United yeah. to actually stop existing yeah. it, I don't think it would happen in any country yeah
2: that's probably true yeah
0: I think you're being slightly harsh on Argentina. Though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh,
2: uh, on the same, uh, on the other hand, if he was a serious country, they wouldn't, nev- they would never allow a club uh, doing the, the the things they did. I mean, the AFA, they they decided to not care about controlling what's going on at the uh, at their clubs. So when he's when he was uh, unbearable, the situation, uh, Racing got bankrupt, and then after a lot of trials and negotiations and. All sorts of stuff that happened off the pitch. Racing were allowed to play again, and and they were administrated by by a company, by, by a private owner, and it was the first time it happened in a, for for a big club in Argentina. Because I cause I think Ferro had the same thing in in the past, and Temperley, but they're smaller clubs. But anyway, when when Racing came back to life, so to speak, it was uh, still in '99. Uh, Racing were supposed to play against. Talleres de Córdoba at home the first week of the season but the club were not allowed to to run to continue uh, with their activities Mm -hmm. but uh, nevertheless the fans gathered and they went at the same time at at the same time of the game was supposed to be played and more than 40,000 fans were there and it was the biggest attendance even though nobody played that day so it was just the fans uh, being there just to let to let you know how big the support how big the support Racing have in in Argentina and then after that very very soon after that in 2001 Racing won the league under this this company having, being been ruled by this company and then the owner just simply didn't care anymore they were selling all the players at the first offer that came they they abandoned all the community activities they abandoned the youth teams and the state of the stadium was terrible uh, and the club uh, as well so then after a while this company got bankrupt so it's the second time the club or what the club represented got bankrupt then in the end we finally saw elections and democracy came back to to Racing and we had this new president elected in in 2009 Rodolfo Molina and he made a couple of rookie mistakes uh, like Announcing the the hiring of Lothar Mateus as a manager, <laughs> that was a pretty um exactly pretty, pretty dark. Situation. Yeah, <laughs> and um, they tried a couple of managers. They lost patience on one of them, and I think it was uh, rightly so. And Vivas you're talking about? Claudio Vivas, yeah, he had a terrible. We well, had a good start, and then it was terrible. Then, yeah, and, yeah, And Racing were risking relegation all the while, so um, I think then they started. R- risking yeah.
0: relegation largely as a result of the policies of, of the previous the administration, which exactly, yeah. have been overturned. Exactly.
2: So they they ch- they completely turn things around, and now if you if you see if you go to the stadium, you will see it's completely renewed, and they worked in the off season to to, to have it ready for the new season. The, the Buenos Aires headquarters at Villa del Parque are beautiful again, they're amazing and they're really active. I heard that the club is not promoting or trying not to, to promote the socios campaign, new members' campaign because they are at the limit, because they, they increased the number of socios way too much. Now they're trying to focus on those socios to become season ticket holders. That's their, their, their new activity at the club. And then on the pitch, they also made a lot of good decisions. They brought players such as Auche, Pijud, Leach I think the only big failure they had was Claudio Bieler who never really adapted to Racing and then they sent him off,
0: uh, off on loan to News. And even he wasn't really a stupid signing. I mean, it He wasn't was, a stupid signing on paper. banging yeah. in goals in Ecuador and across, exactly. across the continent. You and could say Ecuador's. the same thing about
1: Achille, I guess, who on paper looked like a fantastic signing but yeah. <laughs> yeah. arrived out of shape and never quite got back into shape. Yeah,
2: yeah still uh, the pl- players uh, at the club, they, they they speak wonders about Achala and how, oh, how I can imagine he was a fantastic of, he was. Yeah. Then
1: he's
0: the coach uh, player if I, if I could interrupt for a second too. even if he hasn't an, ended up being um, fantastic in terms of the playing time he's given them I can easily see how with young defenders coming through like Matias Martinez mm. how they've learned from Achala in training because there's no way that you could have a player with that much experience yeah. and, not and, learn and, and train with like them every day and, and not pick something up
2: Yeah, and then of course the two Colombians Giovanni Moreno Teófilo Gutiérrez, and this is a new, I think it's a new way of doing business in Argentina now in football because the clubs don't have the money to, to buy uh, good players, mm. they rely on the the help of uh, indi- individuals, yeah, or investors, companies, investors and, yeah. so they bring players from yeah. other leagues or from small clubs they put them in big clubs because They 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 get a lot of uh, exposure Mm -hmm. uh, by doing that. So Racing takes care of the salaries and they buy part of the or a a percentage on their registration fees. But then a player worth two million or three million, as like Giovanni Moreno, had already received offers for 15 million. Mm. And I think that is a trend that is going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Because of
1: course we saw this before uh, in Brazil. This has been. Yeah, the norm in Brazil maybe for what six, seven years like, well it's exactly Tabers how Carlos and, yeah. Tevez and Javier
0: Mascherano ended exactly. up playing for Corinthians yeah. and then of course it, which wasn't really an issue while they were in Brazil it was only when they moved to yeah. England
1: because in Brazil it's kind of normal practice yeah. It's yeah. Normal, whereas the Premier League's transfer yeah.
0: rules obviously aren't set up to deal with the situation because no. they hadn't had to cope with it before no. yes. and that's why it became such an issue yeah. when Tevez well when, in fact when Mascherano moved to Liverpool and then later on when United signed Tevez
2: yeah, and we've seen a similar situation with Alejandro Faulín who used to play in the mm. second division in Argentina was signed by QPR in 2009 and now there's a there is a problem it had he was if, yeah, if yeah, anybody to, is wondering to. about the obscurity <laughs> of that
0: <laughs> the, um, we should explain that for for a variety of reasons which he might be, have time to explain another time but yeah, not today yeah, yeah, Seba is my a pleasure. Queen's Park Rangers fan in England I am
2: <laughs> very probably so but yeah that speaking of that uh, in England there are different rules so when they buy someone from from South America they should Really be careful with this because yeah. Fouling was owned by three or four different individuals and now they're having problems and the FA could probably find them or even deduct some points which I hope is not the case yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as yeah. we are top of the league. <laughs> if you're the director
0: of an English um, football club then it is best to do what what certainly Liverpool did which is when the whole Mascherano and service ownership thing first came up when they signed him off, Man- off uh, West Ham United. Um, and not do what QPR or West Ham did when they signed their South American stars and pretend that you own them all along. <laughs> when in fact you don't. I don't. <laughs> um, thi- I don't know if Liverpool
2: is a best example because well today, today I, I read that there are some irregularities with Andy Carroll's uh, signing, and they're investigating <laughs> an agent there. But we're way, we're going way well, off topic is, yeah, here. Indeed, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, But, so, um, but so so I- back
1: to to racing and. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, staying with kind of the subject to and we mentioned the two Colombians that have come in yeah. and done so well. And I remember me and Seba were talking in the aftermath of this glorious 4-0 victory which put us top of the table on Sunday about foreign players in the, in the Primera and how they can make a real impact. And Seba had some really good points. I mean, aside from the Colombians, I know that um, Santiago Sancedo, the Paraguayan, is doing really well in Argentinos and there's a couple more that don't spring immediately to mind I'm hoping well, Santiago Silva who I yeah. and so why do these foreigners seem to come in and be able to do such a good job
2: yeah speaking of uh, particularly about Racing which is the club I, I know the most I think uh, Racing is one of the most difficult teams to play for because the, the pressure is so much it's, it's so big um, because it's a big team that have only won one league t- uh, title in 45 years. The crowd is so passionate and mm. so into it. It really affects the, 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 men- the mentality or, or the, the, the ability of the players yeah. to. It's got to gotta be a big to weight to on, on the, the shoulders, yeah. yeah. And right now we're seeing it. It's only five weeks gone and everyone's going out of their minds. Not mm. only Racing fans, the media, they're, they're hyping Racing yeah. so much. Because it's a, it's a good way of, for them to sell a lot of papers because
1: it's a. It's a very, very big. Yeah. yeah. This is a thing I've noticed living in Cavasito, Mavario. Yeah. Uh, whenever I go down, because usually I only really want to buy Ole when Racing win.
0: <laughs> I go down
1: to my local um, it's newspaper been seller. money on it this this of course. This yeah. Year, so it's been, it's getting expensive. So I'll go down to my <laughs> local newspaper seller, who's also a Racing fan, funnily enough. The day after, and say, have you got an Ole left? And if I go maybe past midday, I'll be like, no, Racing one. Yeah. They're all sold out. And I think that just everybody in Cabashito is a wrestling fan then. I think just there's (laughs) a lot of wrestling fans all
0: over the city. Maybe not so much in La Boca but (laughs) Actually that's that's a point that I wanted to make when Seba was explaining that that they're a big team is that in from the English speaking world, as somebody who followed Argentine football from outside Argentina for six or seven years before I moved it, one thing that you get repeated out all the time is about how Boca have one third of the country supporting them and River have one third of the country supporting them and then everybody else kind of makes up the numbers and it's really easy to forget that if you're in Buenos Aires, Boca and River, probably the majority of their fans are in the provinces, they've got massive support all over the country and if you're in Buenos Aires and you weren't already aware of of the statistics in terms of the nationwide uh, population support, you could easily be forgiven for thinking that everybody else was almost up on a level, and mm. particularly the the rest of the big five, Racing San Lorenzo and Independiente. In, in Buenos Aires, you're as likely to run into a fan of one of those clubs yeah. as you are a fan of River or
1: Boca. Especially around here, where where I live, there's a lot of San Lorenzo fans, and there's a lot of Racing fans around here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and I, I'm in San Telmo, and obviously San Telmo, literally my flat, I can warm to La Bombonera in in ten minutes. So there are plenty of of Boca fans in in. Uh, in San Telmo, yeah. but also a lot. You see a lot of Racing and Independiente shows yeah. because Abrechanel is just over the border with the city limits.
2: Sure. I think the big five are uh, the one good, good way of uh, explaining and understanding this is the, the big five are the only uh, clubs in in the country that have a nationwide yeah, yeah. supporting uh, base. It's bigger for Boca and River in the provinces, of course, but you will see fans of San Lorenzo, Racing, and Independiente in in every in every province. Yeah. So um, well, when
0: But when you consider the, the population of Buenos Aires compared with the rest of the country and also the fact that the entire of the national media the entirety, sorry, of the national media is based in Buenos Aires, if you're inside Argentina it's you know, you really do get that in spite of the massive gulf in the number of fans from from the let's say the the giant two compared with the rest of the big five. Um, the rest of the big five are, are still really big clubs in, yeah. in the capital city, there's a, yeah, absolutely yeah. no doubt. Because I, I, I've been asked about it a few times, you know, people say, you know, if we're asking, i have only got this number of, I, I'm making a small gesture with my fingers, this number of fans, <laughs> for the benefit of our listeners, compared with this number, and now I'm holding my, it's like, a <laughs> much, much bigger about. gesture, yeah. For yeah. For River or <laughs> then you know, can they really be a big club? They are, they're a very big club, um, in a city of 13 million people. You know, there's, there's room for more than two big clubs, which made that clear. So so I was saying for, for
2: Argentine players to play for Racing is really difficult. And when when a foreigner comes and performs so well, such as Giovanni Moreno last season and, and now Teofilo Gutierrez who scored five goals in three starts, in f- three full matches, I can't help but, but but thinking that it has to be because they don't have the background, they don't yeah. have they they they, they didn't they didn't go to school they didn't have to endure every yeah. Monday yes. <laughs> like I had to do <laughs> and they 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 don't know they don't have the no, this notion of racing being the 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 eternal underachievers yeah. or the eternal cl- clubbing crisis or the club that does well for a couple of weeks and then collapse so I think they they play without a added pressure and I think that tells that yeah
1: I know oh, you the, can definitely see it I mean with Teo this year and Gio last year. I mean, part of that is probably because they're Colombian and they tend to be a lot more kind of just chilled and yeah, laid back, laid back yeah. than Argentines, who it's are positive much racism all over the place on yeah. Pod this week. <laughs> but yeah, they <laughs> okay. seem to they seem to play with just without a care in the world. You know, probably when, Teo before signing for Racing, never heard of Racing before. I mean, yeah, he said I think he was he, aware of Racing. Yeah, he said yeah. he liked River.
2: When asked about Argentine footballers, he only mentioned Riquelme and Verón. Yeah. So I, I think he was in Turkey, and then probably he, one uh, investor said this and there's an opportunity to get you out of Turkey and, and sign for an Argentine club.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, he's he's an interesting one actually, because um, I remember right after Racing signed him, and before the season kicked off, I was um, I was in G- uh, Gibraltar, which is a, a pub in San Telmo, and I was talking to to a friend of mine who was he was very drunk, and he's Colombian. And he's the cousin, in fact, of the half Colombian Racing fan who I've mentioned, to I went to university with. Hello, Alex. And, um, and he was telling me, in his, he was, he really was absolutely plastered, um, in his incredibly drunk state, that this guy Racing have just signed, this Teofilo Gutierrez with a very kind of lazy eye and prodding my chest as he was saying he, he he's going he's he's the best striker in the bloody world man <laughs> R- rassing rassing have signed a superstar he's he's gonna and he was talking about as if he was a 19 year old who'd scored 180 goals the previous season or something in fact he's what 26 27 and and i was kind of thinking right okay sure i'll bear this in mind and i might mention this on the podcast diego sure yeah sure. you know smile and nod just Shut your drunk friend up. A bit. And so when Tiofio Tiedres actually started playing for Racing, and, I mean, the first two goals in particular that he scored were absolutely brilliant Standing finishes, does. as all we mentioned.
1: All of them. And the them been and two
0: at the weekend, although actually I thought that the second at the weekend when he kind of right on the goal line dummied it and then chipped it over the goalkeeper, I thought Diego Pozo, the Colón goalkeeper, really should have got to that. Uh, he he yeah. should have just jumped on the ball. But still, it, he's started off at a fantastic rate.
2: I think he scored That's more true. in three matches than Bieler in two seasons. I think he needs <laughs> one more, yeah. He needs uh, one catch more. That yeah. tells his story. Yeah. But mentioned.
1: I think, yeah, it's probably worth mentioning about the foreign thing. Like Bieler always looked just overwhelmed by the racing yeah. shirt. Mm. And I'm not going to say he's a bad player. We said plenty of bad things about him on the podcast and out. He's a good with, goal scorer. Yeah, and, the, the, the thing
0: with Bieler that I thought is, is that he, he moved back to, to... Well, he moved back to Argentina. He moved to the racing after... Several years playing for Liga de Quito mm. in Ecuador, where, for where he was very, very effective. He, he, as Dan says, scored for fun in the Ecuadorian yeah. League and also in the Copa Libertadores yeah. and Sudamericana, both of which Liga de Quito won while he was there as the main striker. And I almost got the impression that when he moved to Racing, A, as you say, he was aware of what a massive club it was yeah. and the pressure, therefore, b- being Argentine, was much more for him. And B, moving back to his homeland after. Because really, when he left Argentina, nobody. You know, had yeah. heard of him ever. He didn't make it here before. Though. Precisely, which which is why he went to Ecuador, and he kind of felt this a pressure, not just the pressure of being at Racing, but also a pressure to perform mm. in front of his his
1: home. And I get the feeling Nations as well with as well. Bieler that he thought he was coming to a much better club. He I think right. he came to Racing because he thought. As a lot of us thought, I think at the start of 2010, that uh, we put together a really good squad that we brought in uh, Alce, Lige, Bieler, and Ashala, like four mm. very good ref- like reinforcements. And Racing were there to kind of challenge for the league or get a uh, South America, like a uh, continental place. Yeah, it didn't Racing happen, we had an awful start, and but then I think he just lost interest to that. Yeah, maybe Racing needed him uh, to, yeah. to yeah. challenge yeah. but he, well, exactly. he wasn't interested. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: now he looks really in, uh, really up for it like yeah. uh, well now he's got something to prove
1: like uh, completely.
0: completely yeah yeah and, and speaking about the two colombians as well it's uh, there was an interview with giovanni moreno last last week in which he kind of <laughs> it was quite funny actually he the the main quote that guy used about it was that he was saying i'm a bit pissed off really because i'm injured and now racing are going to win the title <laughs> and i'm not going to be able to take part <laughs> there's none of this normal Crap that you hear players coming out with about oh it doesn't matter you know as long as the team's doing well. Moreno's fully he he really wants to be part of it and he's clearly enjoying playing for them and, and that says a lot. And as a way you know even as a non rassing fan myself it is a real shame that him and and Gutierrez can't both be playing together at the same time. Yeah. Like, hopefully they'll both still be there in six months and we'll get to see it during the apertura but I've been struck by you know when, when Moreno still uh, sorry when Moreno was, was first uh, injured against All Boys in the second round first the moods in the first week, in the first week yeah. oh sorry thank you for correcting me Sarah, no in, the, in the first week the mood uh, Hand of Pod Towers was distinctly lower. We were fairly somber. yeah. It, it was literally a couple of hours before we started recording that it came out just how serious the injury was. And and there was a lot of talk about downgrading, you know, the Racing's hopes that previously they were going for the title and now it, it was, you know, we'd be happy with the Sudamericana qualification spot or, or what have you for them. And yet the rest of the team, after a slightly, you know, not quite their start and in, in the 1-0 loss at home to Boca yeah. the following week, you started playing Beautiful stuff. Everybody else on the team that's kind of yeah. stepped up and gone right. Yeah. Now we have to do it ourselves, and it
1: can't just be Gio being yeah. the main man. It, there's liquid football at yeah. times, if I can quote Alan Partridge for a second. And I think a big part of that is that Claudio Chocob came back as well. And I mean, he Torenzo, wasn't there. And Lorenzo, yes. And also Zucchellini can't even get in the team. like That's how impressive we are at the moment. The manager,
2: Miguel Angel Russo, said that against Boca they had this kind of duel. Uh, grief, uh, griefing process, mm. and they couldn't perform that week because a couple of days before they had their main playmaker yeah. uh, having a surgery. So that, that had a great, great effect on the team, and they didn't have, as as Dan pointed out, they, we didn't, we, Racing didn't have Toranzo or Jakov mm. for that for or that Cajais, game. Or the defender or, who's been Cajais quite impressive. this yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> after that, the team started jailing and I think. He, they they kind of took a, a bit of a bit of a boost, I wouldn't say a boost, but probably they they try and they they will try
1: to do it for Giovanni as well. They kind of just really kind of grouped like regrouped and yeah. exactly. had this one idea that they're going for yeah. And also you wonder how the, this is a it's a massive cliche
0: I think to say it, but there might be something to it in terms of the team spirit. Um, I've I've forgotten his name but the head physio who was killed by the lightning strike yeah. during, during season that there was a no. massive electrical storm in Buenos yeah. Aires actually whilst I was still in England and and he was struck by lightning and, and died of the injury and you wonder whether that's had a kind of grouping effect on yeah, the team as well. Too, yeah. Yeah.
2: But the, between one incident and the other it was only one month so mm. it was another
0: huge blow when Giovanni got injured. Yeah, uh, let's be completely clear that we would hate to, uh, <laughs> to compare the to, to put yeah, the two they, on, yeah. on a similar level at all, obviously, but yeah,
2: of course. Um, but now some people are saying, "Well, uh, I think it was." Uh, some people saying, "Well, in the end, it wasn't such a bad thing f- for Racing that Giovanni got injured, because now the team are playing <coughs> differently and they mm. they're playing at a higher pace." Yeah. I think they're wrong. I think uh, losing Giovanni was. I'd love to an see Moreno in this team. I would of course, absolutely, love yeah. to. of course. Now now Luercio is playing out of position, he, Miguel Acerruso again again, the, the manager is saying that Luercio when when asked about what position uh, is Luercio playing at and he says Luercio is playing as a Luercio <laughs> <kinda, laughs> A headless that's, chicken I think we can yeah, translate that but he, 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 he has been immense, people yeah. are always uh, on his back because um, he doesn't score many goals no. for a striker or a forward
1: yeah. But at the same time, I mean, he's probably he's one of the favourites yeah. in uh, Racing Terraces. He always gets a, an ovation whenever he comes off, comes on, comes on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. And, and I have to say, I, after, after the Bocca
0: game, I thought that... Um, I can't remember whether I said this on Hand of Pod or whether I wrote it uh, somewhere else. Um, but I, I thought that whilst he was up front, he was in that match, he was frankly rubbish. Mm. Um, but then they made a couple of substitutions which necessitated moving him over to kind of a wide left midfield mm. attacking position. And... When he was doing that, he was brilliant. Yeah. He was. He yeah. was good. And, and we have mentioned, you know, I said at the time as well that, frankly, Bocca didn't deserve to win that game. That that, that Racing were probably the better team, and they they were all over them. Um, yeah, I I definitely agree. If you tell the worst will just to, run his balls yeah. off, then he'll do he's, it for you.
1: He's a nuisance more than anything. Hmm. Uh, c- you can tell that defenders don't like playing against him. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's never going to be the best on the ball, the quickest, or the most potent in front of goal, but. He does really kind of irritate defenders, and yes. that's a good thing to have in a team.
2: And he he already has two goals, yeah, and a, and a half because one came a half, in, yep. uh, <laughs> on a rebound when he tried to cross it. But uh, he seems to be happy playing yeah. in that position, even if he's uh, out of position. I, I,
1: I kept I keep imagining. What if Giovanni Moreno was playing in that position? Yeah.
0: And yeah, it would
1: change the dynamic of the team. Yeah. It wouldn't be the same kind of team that runs all over the pitch. You know, he's much more of a languid player. Like yeah. He likes to kind of fix himself and control the game. It'll be it'll be interesting. We'll oh have to well. see
0: next year. Yeah, assuming that you hang on to both Moreno and Gutierrez, and the I other players who are suddenly that looking so much the more shoot impressive. Is the the uper is going <laughs> to be really,
1: yeah.
0: racing will be very, very hard to beat. Um, having talked for a very long time about <laughs> racing now. I'm going to try and edit this down so that we can have some time to talk about the other sides as well. I'm going to put the microphone down for a second, play our listeners a little bit of music, and go and get me and Dan and server some more ice cubes to put in our glasses of drink. Back, everyone. <laughs> we apologise for the laughter. We would explain it, but we'll probably be sued by somebody. The, the other games, th- there were other matches that took place, and there were are they? indeed other clubs that are involved in the Argentine First Division yeah, that's other than that 's the harassing this week. One of which was the match that I went to at the weekend for the first time in three weeks, thanks to my various house moving and having to couch surf at weekends and stuff activities over the last couple of weekends. I went to see River Plate for the first time this year. I was very excited about it. R- River haven't exactly been banging the goals in, but neither had they been conceding any at all. In fact, in spite of having to field a 12-year-old goalkeeper, thanks to Juan Pablo Carrizo's injury, they were the only side in Argentina to have not conceded any goals in the first four matches. Obviously, they were still undefeated as well, because in order to defeat a football team, you have to score against them.
1: Thank you for that, Sam. Yeah, I'm sure just, just to clarify,
0: I, I, I did get asked this so, so I mentioned it to somebody, and they went, oh, right, so how many have they lost? No. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a
2: good thing that you mentioned, because I knew it in Spanish, but I didn't I didn't know it in English, so now I, I think... Undefeated. You yeah, exactly. There you go, no. yeah. <laughs> but,
0: yeah, unfortunately, Leandro Tichisola, the said 12-year-old goalkeeper, made a, a... And I will support him all the way on it. Because I always think that you have to support the goalkeepers fully, and it's something that he'll learn from. But it, it was a bad error uh, just before half time against the one team really who've got a striker who is determined enough that you just can't afford to to miss kick a, a, a clearance with.
1: But he's also scary enough to make him miss kick. Well, precisely. I wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. Running down on
0: it. Santiago Silva, uh, Chichisola, completely kind of air kicked a, a basic clearance back, and, and Santiago Silva was able to put in in the second half shortly after half time. Manuel Lancini was tackled roughly. And I think it was probably a fair penalty from where I was in the stand. Oh, okay. He was, I think yeah. so. Which admittedly was the other yeah. side of the pitch, but no, everybody else seemed to agree. agree. And Mariano Pavone scored again from the spot. And, and then late on in the second half, Chi Solo actually I thought did quite well to come out and block the shot, but then River's defence were a complete <laughs> shambles in the box as it got rebounded over the, ac- across the penalty area and, and Silva was able to score the second to leave River with their first defeat of the season. Hota Hota... JJ J. Lopez. J. Lo. Yeah. J. Yeah. J. Lo. That's a very good one. <laughs> J Lo, River's manager, uh, said after the match that um that he felt that a draw would have been at least fair on River and, and if not that River was slightly the better side. And actually watching from the stands I would have agreed with that. I, I don't know whether either of you two saw it on the television or Well you're on your you own here Sam
1: because they're playing wrestling at the same time so yeah, yeah of course we'll yeah. leave you
0: to, um, um, to defend River <laughs> n- Normally I I feel I'm fairly harsh on River as most of our listeners will have picked up during <laughs> during the end of the <laughs> Apertura last year when even though they ended up finishing fourth I was still <laughs> slagging them off but I actually agreed with, with Lopez on that one um, What Santiago Silva said after the match was that after a frankly, rubbish start to the season. I remember last week on on Hand of Pod, I was fully backing Australian Dan's prediction of a, of a draw for that match and saying that even River would win. And in spite of my alcohol-fuelled nature last week, I'd still stand by that. But as Santiago Silva said after the match, Vélez's luck changed, essentially. They, they have had bad luck, it's, it's got to be said. They've got a very good team, we all knew this. Guys, were there any other results other than in this game because we can't really discuss it as we say because you two if anybody is wondering by the way uh, where Australian Dan is in all of this um, he's currently in Mendoza quaffing wine with his sister who's come over to visit
2: I I thought he had a trial with Godoy Cruz no, he. Uh, that,
0: that was what he told us. But, uh, okay, but we know <laughs> the truth. We're skeptical. Fully. Yeah, we're skeptical. Yeah. If, if Godoy like Cruz do announce a, an Australian signing in six months' time uh, for the Apertura, then then we'll know that we were wrong. But I'm fairly certain that he's really just gone on a wine tasting
1: trip. But I think probably the other. Well, there were a couple of big results over the weekend, but the biggest one was another Boca defeat against San Lorenzo. And well, another an game where they goal. really, d- an astonishing goal, yeah, <laughs> well, Roberto <laughs> carlos Yeah, it, hit it shot, yeah.
0: something like 75 yards out and just blew <laughs> up the top corner. I mean, he looked surprised as anybody when it, when yeah. it ended up in the net.
2: Yeah, what well, I think it's a bit of a bit uh, ironic is that we have a situation here in, in which maybe I'm going completely off topic here, but there is a big problem, big issue, I think, in my opinion, on uh, racism in, in Argentine football and it seems to be accept, accepted by the majority of fans and we have uh, chants against Paraguayans and mm. Peruvians and Bolivians and it was the case again when San Lorenzo fans were singing that all the Boca fans were from Paraguay and Bolivia yeah. and then they were criticizing or, or talking rubbish about Paraguayans and they cheered their, their own Paraguayan, like Velez Sarfield did in the past with cheering on yeah. José Luis Laver. Yeah. but they still sing against Boca, uh, yeah. these kind of, uh, of things. I, I thought it was interesting to touch yeah. on I that, that, that Yeah, It's, it's
0: something actually, I was, um, when I was on Argent- uh, in Argentina on holiday about four years ago in January 2007, my then girlfriend took me to, bound and gagged me in fact a straight jacket and dragged me to Mar del Plata for the week for a beach holiday. <laughs> It's you not something wife. I'd normally choose to do. And in, in return for her making me miss out on the museums and fine wine and culture that are obviously more my normal place in life. She allowed me to to take her along to River versus Racing in the Torneo de Verano that year, which is the pre season summer tournament, uh, for Alistair's. And that was the match in which Nelson Rivas, the Colombian centre back who ended up playing about three minutes of competitive action for River before being sold to Inter Milan made his debut it, it, he'd actually signed about two days before for River and obviously being on holiday none of the fans I, I who'd been bored stiff the whole week had bought a copy of Ole and was aware that we'd signed this guy none of the Argentines who were there who were just there to go <laughs> on the beach had a clue who he was and so this substitution came on and, and River seed one, one of the centre-backs I think it might have been Eduardo Tuzio or somebody at the time um, leaving the pitch to be replaced by a big black man, and nobody had a clue what to do. And so they all start just chanting "negro, negro," affectionately, but you know it, it, it probably sounds much. Well, in fact, it does sound much worse in English than it would be considered in Spanish. But there's still a, a slight undertone. And um, one of Racing's strikers made a crunching tackle on him. About five minutes after he went on the pitch, and there was a guy about two rows behind us who just stood up and yelled,
1: "You racist son of a bitch!" <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> Which, after the entire stand had just been
0: like, because everybody was looking around going, "Who is this guy? Who is this guy?" And nobody knew. So they they just decided to chant, "Black man, yeah. black man, black man," at him in, in support. But it was it was a kind of nice little illustration of the the contrast in attitudes at times, but, you know, between people on your
1: own team and people on the opposing team, and so. It's yeah. always interesting this because I remember earlier in the season as well when I went to wrestling against Boca and wrestling just like every other club in the Primera were giving it all the um, El Quino Salte de Bolivia Paraguay like whoever doesn't jump from Bolivia Paraguay and at the same time they have uh, Marcos Cáceres who's Paraguayan right, right, sure. in, right in front. Hmm. So, I don't know, a lot of people here like to say Ah, no, but it's all part of the folklore of football It's all part of our, you know We yeah. say Independiente Amargo So we say Boca or Bolivian or Paraguayan It's, yeah. all, it's all fun I'm not so sure No, yeah. I mean, the,
0: the most infamous example is probably from about two years ago Or three years ago when Gimnasia Escrima de Was still in the in the first division um, Jojo is a city with an amusing name um, Very close <laughs> in the northwest to the border with Bolivia and um, after they played one of their home matches against, I think it was against one of the big five, Boca, maybe, or San Lorenzo or somebody, the referee, Pablo Nunati, made a couple of interesting decisions, let's say, in that game. And after the match was surrounded by the home players wanting to know why he'd sent this player off or whatever, and his response to them was, oh, piss off and leave me alone, you bunch of Bolivians. (laughs) Which caused, I remember at the time, caused... Caused quite a fuss. Yeah, so he got suspended for for two weeks, I think, from from refereeing. But he's now, still, you know, a couple of years later, is still very much one of the more high-profile referees yeah. in the country. And um, I, I think the reason I remembered his name actually was because I put on my blog a a, 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 a pun or a play on words regarding his surname, in which I replaced uh, I, I put a C on the end of it because yeah, it spells lunatic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> because it was a very silly thing for him to say. And, and so that kind of, it, it gives you an idea of the, Argentina doesn't strike me as a really massively overly racist country, but it's very, it, it becomes apparent when you're here that it's not anywhere near as ethnically diverse as, say, other countries in South America, mm-hmm. or certainly as, mm-hmm. you know, as me and Dan can both attest as, as England or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a problem, I think, that that's going to go away in time, especially now that, there's, that there are definitely more black people, for instance, living here than there were the first time I came to Argentina, which was nearly eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, to, to put
2: it this way, I don't think uh, black Man or woman will uh, suffer from violence, on, violence yeah, on right. the street or yeah. stuff like that. But
0: they'll get looked at a bit more. But then, frankly, yeah. so do I. I'm six feet tall, blonde haired, and blue eyed, yeah. and I get stared at every time I walk down the street in some areas of town. Because you look like every boy. But maybe well, <laughs> <laughs> could be something to do with that as well. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, other matches. I was impressed by Independiente. I have to say. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think they got they got away with a. I wouldn't say they got away. I mean, and they they got a win. That was uh, that really flattered them because. it oh, was the first four 0 The first two goals. the first two goals were, two goals were yeah. re-
0: rebounds. Uh, in fact, I was on Twitter while that game was taking place, and as I said, the the Aurakan Kilmes game, which finished two one to Huracan, that's a massive relegation clash, of a big point sixer. As, as we're going to keep saying on hand pot until other people pick it up from us it, was, it finished 2-1 and there were three really scrappy goals scored in that mm. game and I, I said the mm. same thing after Independiente took a 2-0 lead both of them were from deflections or you know yeah. just off the keeper's forearm and, and the other striker yeah, You you, of, say, <coughs> you say
2: how much uh, Caruso charged charge, uh, the, the Kielma's defenders to <coughs> to play in uh, mm. <laughs> that match yeah, I think yeah. it was unfair, unfair it was, on Caruso, yeah.
1: poor Caruso. I, think, <laughs> yeah. I think in that game where I can play paid Caruso to pick the Kilmans defenders. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> probably. But, but yeah, yeah In I mean, f- Independiente it was almost as if somebody had
0: flipped a switch regardless of the the scrappy nature of their first two. Yeah. They were so much better than they've been for yeah. absolutely yeah. ages. I, I think
2: what part of the reason is that they got two very early goals and Newell's are really terrible team this at least they haven't these five weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They lost our Formica in, in preseason. They brought in in Bieler, which is <laughs> a terrible switch, really.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I think it was uh, really important for Independiente because now they have a, they went over All Boys and, and they separated from River, and I think they also went over Tigre. They uh, they climbed quite yeah. a few places, yeah. So they now have some breathing space, and they went 13 matches without a win. So yeah, it was really important for them to win this one, yeah, and they did it in style. So I I think. Mm it could be a sign for, for of things to come yeah. but they still gonna be distracted by Copa Libertadores they mm-hmm. still have to finish the first round yeah. uh, the yeah. group stage and, so
0: and the other big result was uh, that Olimpo won again I'm afraid yeah. I've forgotten against whom it was O-boys. on Friday yes, night O-boys, yeah. O-boys. Long time ago. which in, due to the fact in fact that, that River obviously dropped points and the fact that Olimpo have played fewer matches and therefore are having their points average decided over fewer matches and therefore as we explained last week each win for them is worth slightly more than a win for River, who have it divided by 100 games. If Olimpo win again next weekend, and either River or Independiente, in fact, were to drop points next weekend, but certainly River, now that they've lost, um, Olimpo would effectively leapfrog them and, and put them into one of the playoff spots again. Mm-hmm. So even though, you know, a couple of weeks we were saying that River's upturn in form has left them basically clear of relegation worries, and suddenly they're right back down there just after a couple mm-hmm. of. You know, the, the fact that Olimpo uh, are really uh, are still up there and, and after f- uh, admittedly only after five rounds, but challenging for the top spots in, in the Clausura is really throwing a spanner in the works of Independiente and Rivers' survival yeah. campaigns. The yeah. worst
2: news for River fans is not, is that they're not gonna have to support Boca at least for one week, because they play Olimpo, and that's that's what happens when when you're fighting against the the drop in in Argentina. I have changed allegiances for (laughs) every week, maybe I was supporting River, Independiente, Mm -hmm. all the teams that I usually want to see losing.
0: We'll now move on, Mystic Dan, as we say, is in in Mendoza, but from beyond the the grave, or rather (laughs) beyond the the bodega, yeah. he, he's managed to send us his predictions. <laughs> they may be slightly more influenced by wine than they are in normal weeks, depending on how much he's had to drink. Uh, I think a fair bit, what I've heard. Go on. No, he just said he's drunk a lot of wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he has. I certainly did when I went to Mendoza. It was a very long time ago. but um, And so now we'll, we'll play a bit of music and then I shall be reading out Mystic Dan's uh, predictions. Attempts to get me to record this prediction in a very bad Australian accent are sadly not going to be um, met with any willingness on my part. So I'm just going to read these out in a a straight BBC British accent. As is the one I have, British, if a British accent exists. (laughs) Anyway, Dan's predictions are Gimnasia y Escrima La Plata to beat Tigre All Boys to beat Colón Godoy Cruz and Lanús to draw Kilmes to lose at home to Independiente Arsenal to lose at home to River. Newell's Old Boys to win at home to Argentinos Juniors. Vélez Sarsfield and San Lorenzo to be a draw. Racing and Estudiantes, who are two of the teams chasing the title, in fact, this season, after Estudiantes' shock defeat to Godoy Cruz last week, to draw. Boca Juniors to beat Olimpo at home, which might be a very brave prediction, but clearly Dan is uh, more of a sympathiser with River on this one. (laughs) And Banfield to beat Orokan at home. I don't have an awful lot to say about those guys. Do you, do you have any thoughts on, on some of those? There were a couple of raised eyebrows while I was reading them out.
2: Well, if Riquelme comes back to play for Boca, maybe they, they have something.
1: I would say Boca to beat Olimpo. I think that there's going to be a backlash from Boca this week. Yeah. I don't know how long it will last, but I think they will. The thing will I will say back. is we've been expecting a Boca backlash for a while. It's true. Maybe for about two years. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not happened yet. And then I think if if Riquelme is playing and he's
2: fit enough, um, yeah. they have a chance. But I'm not so confident on this, cause, especially because I'm sensing that the dressing room is divided. They don't like Falcioni. Mm. The fans are gonna are not gonna be very patient. And mm. Olimpo, they only lost once, and it was against Racing, mm.
0: and they almost come back. They almost came yeah, back. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, I mentioned my, my American Bocca supporting friend Johnny who who knows all of us now in fact because he met English Dan and indeed Australian Dan at my housewarming a few days ago and he told me during last week that he thinks that Falcione is now even worse than Borgi was he, he, <laughs> he does like Borgi as, as a man and obviously Borgi was the Argentinos manager when him and me were at that astonishing 4-3 match with Independiente at the end of the last, last class order but Borgi let's say was as we said at the time too nice to be Bocca manager Falcione isn't no. He's not <laughs> not too, uh, way, as, as Dan <laughs> said at the time he's, he's not too nice to be anybody's manager and yet even he's doing rubbish with Boca it, yeah. it, it, they've almost become even easier to beat under him than than they were in the Borgi and they're not scoring, it's they only no. scored
2: twice no. in, in five matches
0: it's, it, it, it's as if after the thrashing they got in the first week against Godoy Cruz at home they lost 4-1 uh, as listeners who've been around regularly will remember it's as if he's, he's become too Conservative and, and too concerned with keeping a clean sheet the whole time and, and has just it strangled the attack, really. Mm. So, so those are the fixtures for the week. We've been recording for slightly longer than we intended to now and, and we've got to dash off because in 40 minutes' time, Argentina's local national side, which is made up of exclusively of players who are playing their club football in Argentina, so let's call them Argentina B, are going to be playing against Venezuela in a friendly in in whereabouts San Juan. is it? San Juan, San Juan. San
2: Juan. it's okay. a new stadium, it's gonna be one of the Copa America
0: venues yeah. no, that's right, the Estadio Bicentenario yeah, yeah. I don't remember since you reminded me of the venue yeah, in... it uh, what's essentially a friendly, I, I don't know how much attention I'll be paying to it I'll probably have it on when I'm cooking dinner but yeah, so we're, we're gonna sign off for now so from uh, English, Dan bye bye from SEBA
2: chao, hasta la próxima, gracias
0: uh, from Australian, Dan And from myself, we'll say goodbye and please join us again next week for another action-packed edition of HandlePod. Bye for now.